now I look back on my whole life and I'm like, wow, I was meant to come into this lifetime specifically as an Indian woman living in the U.S., specifically someone who did not see herself around others who look like her, specifically so that I would be inspired to do what I do today. I've, I've reframed all of that, but zero through 15 was torturous. Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. So my next guest probably has the best skin I've ever seen. And I'm guessing, just guessing here, that it could be the products she's using. Rishi Roy is the founder and CEO of Avrani, a holistic skincare line that uses clean, effective cosmetics rooted in Indian ancient beauty rituals, which she saw her grandmothers using as a young girl in India. As an adult searching for an easier way to access non-toxic formulas, Rushi reconnected with her roots by creating the beauty products she wished she had as a young Indian girl growing up in the Midwest. And I feel that because growing up in Texas, I think I only saw like Avon or Revlon and none of it was bueno for my skin. Her recent partnership with Lily Singh on her upcoming hair care line is proving that Roy is ready to bring these ancient rituals to the mainstream and share the beauty of the Indian culture. It was so much fun talking to her and really cool hearing about her partnership with Lily Singh, someone she has been looking up to for such a long time. So I hope you guys enjoy my interview with Rishi Roy. Let's just start off with the event. So congrats on Avrani. That's the way you say it, right? Avrani? Yes, that's right. Avrani and Lily, the partnership. Tell me how that happened, how that came about. Obviously, we know Lily Singh has fantastic hair, one of her many amazing traits, and so that makes sense. But kind of talk to me about how that all came about. Sure. So, I mean, I started working on Avrani in 2017, and the goal was always to expand our product category across skin, hair, and body. I just always felt like that was the best way to do justice to Ayurveda and bring the traditions to life in the most authentic way. So I started with skincare in 2018 and more formally in 2020. That's what you see in our blue packaging. And I started investing in R&D and hair in 2020. As the business started to take off, we were starting to get product market fit. We're starting to generate some revenue. And so This was a long time in the making. The hair products are actually still being finalized in context of the clinical trials and consumer insights testing, but hair was in the trajectory for a while. Now, fast forward to 2021, I'm still, of course, a small business owner trying to take Avrani off the ground, and I'm sending our products to anybody who will try them and take them. So Lily Singh happened to be one of those individuals. I've looked up to her my whole life. I'm sure many people here listening can resonate. I mean, she really changed the scope of my imagination around what it means to be a South Asian woman in the U.S. So I sent her our skincare collection in 2021, just as a gesture of my appreciation for her inspiration. And to be clear, sending products to celebrities, it rarely actually gets in the celebrity's hand because chances are their assistant or 
someone who works for them is opening and making sure everything is safe and all of that for good reason, of course. Maybe even like taking it home themselves. <laughs> they're like, she doesn't need that. Yes, That's yes, fine. oftentimes. <laughs> sure. And especially with, I mean, they're getting sent products all the time. So for skincare, which is transparently a saturated category, she gets sent a lot of shit. So (laughs) I was extremely pleased when I heard that she not only tried the products, but she loved them and she had her team reach out to me. So the first time I actually interacted with her was over a Zoom call. It was myself, my co-founder, her, and you know, like six people from her team. So I had like 15 minutes of an introduction and I pretty much blacked out during that. I don't even know what I said. I just poured my heart out and just told her the truth that she's really moved me and shaped me in, in many ways. And she asked me what's next for the brand. And so I told her, you know, I'm working on hair care as the next category. Of course, with her and her obsession with her own hair and hair care, she was like, that sounds interesting. Let's stay in touch. After we ended that first introduction, her team reached out directly to me and said, you know, she really loved meeting you and would love to keep the conversation going. I have no experience in this. I came from a finance industry where I was at the bottom of the totem pole, just being told what to do, to starting my own thing. So I I don't have any experience in navigating this kind of relationship. So I just let it unfold organically. And I think looking back, that was one of the best things I did as opposed to overthinking it and getting very transactional from the beginning. So after that first meeting, we exchanged numbers and occasionally she would send me a selfie and be like, can I use your serum after this product? And, you know, just like asking normal questions. And so we started to develop a a relationship. And after I got my first hair product samples, I sent it to her for her feedback. Like how great would it be to have Lily Singh touch on these products from that perspective? I, I wanted to share that with her. And As the year progressed, we just kept in touch and our relationship got deeper. And it wasn't even until a few months ago that we formalized our working partnership. The way in which she can contribute and support me is just, it was so organic and obvious from the beginning of like, I need somebody who can help me take this content that is so specific to the South Asian culture, but we need to make it entertaining and accessible and inviting to the masses, because that's the only way we're going to grow as a company beyond the South Asian demographic. And that's exactly what Lily has done with her career and her content. Like she manages to stay so authentically herself while also making people laugh who had nothing in common with that lived experience, but just resonated with it because of the way that she shared that story. So I'm really excited to have her as a partner, not just on the products in relation to like making sure it fits her lifestyle and she's excited about them, but also in context of our brand awareness strategy and our context strategy of like, how do we resonate with other people and how do we galvanize a a shared community around Ayurveda that's not just limited to the South Asian demographic? Well, you definitely hit one of my questions, like my seventh question uh, on my notes. So yeah, how do we make this mainstream, for lack of a better word? Because a lot of us, whether that's your brand, the podcast, that are trying to focus on the South Asian community, the the culture, the stories, 
we do have our audiences within our community, right? Obviously, the, the, those are the people that are listening to this right now. But how do you break that South Asian glass ceiling? I love that you did it so organically. I have the same type of personality as you in terms of how I would approach a partnership. I don't know if that just comes with personality or age or what it is, but I, I loved, I think it has to be organic with someone like that. You can't push it too much because they've probably had enough of that, right? And so something resonated with her and in a weird way, sure, you you can push it a little bit, but it just has to be coming from their side because they have their choices. Exactly. And, and to be honest with you, like maybe it is your personality, but it's actually not uh, <laughs> my personality. I, I came from the world of being very pushy and direct and this is what I want and I want it now. And nothing fixed me the way that starting my own business <laughs> did of like, nope, that's not how the world works. Nothing is on your timeline. And in order for things to gel and synergize, time and place is so important. And so no matter how much you push it, you can't force those things. And it requires you to push it to make it happen. It might not even be meant to be. I think I'm under that kind of try. I think there's just a balance. I mean, you can't not not try, right? You have to. And then there is a point where I think you have to understand what is meant to be. So, So, well, look, I will tell you, I want to buy the products just like looking at her hair. So it it all worked. I know your products are great regardless of whether she's part of the campaign, but congrats on that. And so in my research on you, listening to interviews and uh, reading articles, I know you mentioned somewhere that you're kind of an introvert. I saw pictures of the party and, and videos. Just curiosity, what was going on through your mind during this amazing, it looked like a fucking amazing event, one, and then two, Is there a story from that night that you can share with me that you haven't told anyone else, even if it was something in your mind? What was going through my mind? Like, (laughs) holy shit, what's even happening right now? I I couldn't, I I was not processing it in real time, if that makes sense. I very much had my CEO hat on. I wanted things to go in order. I wanted to make sure that I got to introduce Lily to the right people. All those things were on my mind. It really wasn't until I got home that night around two I ordered Philly cheesesteaks with my husband and we're like, holy shit, what, what, what just happened? (laughs) That was wild. So that's, that's what was happening then. But in terms of a story I can share with you. So there was a moment where I wanted to bring the crowd into a new room, an immersive projection room. And that's where I have the DJ set up and we have all these like creative light setups and that's where the dance party was going to take place. And so there was cocktail hour and then there was with photos and all that. And then there was this uh, projection room. And so in the process of my team helping bring everybody into the room, Lily and I went into the green, green room for a moment to just align on, you know, what are we going to say and what's next year? What are our expectations? And so I was very much in my head of like, being very orderly and like get everything done. We go in there and I tell Lily exactly, like, I don't even take a breath. I'm like, this is what we need to do. And then I said the words, and then I'm going to say some words about you and why you mean so much to me. And then she goes, okay. And so then I have to say just like a bunch of good stuff about you after that. Okay. Got it. And in that moment, I just like burst out laughing of like, she No matter what situation, she's still herself and so calm and funny. 
And when I get very nervous or just like adrenaline is running, my like funny side does not exist. So I'm, I was just so thankful in that moment of like, this is the type of complimentary energy and partnership that I need and that I've been craving for so long. I've been so heads down. So like very much doing this myself, especially from a creative perspective. And in that moment, I just had this like wave of relief of like, wow, I have such a great partner here who will do the big things, but also the small things of make me laugh when I'm too much in my own head. I think it resonates with all our partnerships in life, husband, friends. Of course, you can be friends with people that are exactly like you. But I think with those major partnerships, I kind of believe that, you know, my husband and I are like, how did we even get married? We're so different. And it's just, you need that person to remind you of those moments that you just forget to laugh or you forget to whatever it is that you need at that time. And so I love it. And not that I know her at all, but I just want to say that's not shocking. <laughs> it seems like that would, that would be yeah, something she yeah. would do. So congrats on that. I will definitely be checking that out. I know the impetus for starting uh, the brand, which you know, you've mentioned in many interviews, so we don't have to go over it too much, but you moved to New York, you're from the Midwest, worked in finance, and then the stress also using non- I guess you call them non-natural beauty products. All that stuff wasn't working. And you kind of went back to the old school, to what Dadi or Nani or whoever it was, grandma in Golgotha, is it? Golgotha, yes. The stuff she taught you growing up, the beauty routine she taught you, and it combined the two parts of you that make all of us who we are, the Indian Americans that we are. And so... As we know, I think there are there are a lot of holistic brands coming out now, you know, a lot more. Some by Indians, some by, you know, other Asians. Some by not Asians at some all. Some by non-Asians <laughs> at all, correct. I was going to say that. I was like, do I say Caucasian? Non-Asian. How do you support each other, but then how do you maintain a healthy competition? That's a good question. The first thing I would say is, now, and this took me a, uh, the first couple of years to truly internalize this, stepping back we haven't even scratched the surface of the influence and impact that South Asians can have from a creative perspective on everything. So beauty, fashion, food, lifestyle, everything. We have just gotten started in terms of the rest of the world waking up to how magnificent it is and, and how they can too benefit from it and enjoy it. And so in the beginning, I would get very conscious of just any other Indian beauty brand naturally because of the voice in my head and that you hear all around that there's not room for all of us to succeed. And in, even in my own experience of working in finance and in limited other jobs I had growing up, I was the only Indian woman there. I was that representation. So I didn't have that experience of rooting for other Indian women and celebrating them, to me, it was always, uh, oh, it's between the two of us. I got to take her down. <laughs> all of us, by the way, Rushi, all of us have had that mentality and it's been really hard to break. I talked to all my guests about this. So that's why I ask, how do we overcome this, right? Yes, yes. And it's hard and it's not something I don't think that, you know, happens in a binary way of like, oh, once I've fully gotten it, I've gotten it. It's like, no, every now and then I'll be reminded of like, oh, that kind of sucks. I wish that was me in that article or me on TV or whatever that is. 
that's a natural, healthy dose of competition that I think I've now grouped with how I would feel if I saw another white woman succeeding in beauty at my stage and making sure that I can see that bigger picture of like, it's not just any Indian woman, like to a degree, I am competing in this finite space for awareness, for eyeballs, for conversions. That is okay. And that's something that I think, if anything, fuels me to to want to succeed and, and win at this. But what really helps me internally in context of the South Asian community is understanding that before we even started all of this, every option at the store came from a white person creating that. And we never once questioned how many do they get? Because to them, that feels like they have the infinite possibility and opportunity. But in reality, we all deserve that. It's not that white people don't deserve that. It's that we all deserve that kind of visibility and representation. And it's only when we have that zero-sum paradigm that we get caught in a mine or yours And so for me, I like to think about other Indian beauty brands as one, validating what I'm doing. If I was truly the only Indian beauty brand, I mean, maybe the market is telling me something else, right? Yeah, you're like, Like, wait a minute. Did it take a wrong turn somewhere? Any great idea, you're going to have several people going after it. So to me, it validates the thesis, which to be honest with you, in 2017, I did not feel validated in that. We were one of the first ones to do it. And so I was constantly starting conversations with telling people that like turmeric isn't just for Indian skin and like very basic conversations. And so that happened over the course of me doing this over the last six years. And then also it's we deserve choices. So just because there is one brand out there covering skincare, that shouldn't bear the weight of being the all-consuming Indian brand for all Indians, because just like other subcultures, they have endless options. We deserve that too, right? And so if I truly do believe those two things, that there's room for all of us and we deserve options, then any other Indian brand, I, I try to remind myself, is, is truly my ally and not it's it's actually us together versus the market share of every other culture's beauty. Totally. I love I love that you are looking at it like it's not just a competition with other Indians or Asians. You're competing in the mainstream. Like you got to look at the whole picture. It's funny. I feel like, and I think all of us have felt like the past five, seven, 10 years, there's been a shift of South Asians in the creative spaces and the beauty spaces, a lot more out there, a lot more people taking the leap into entrepreneurship that are South Asian. This is all positive. I just think it's, it's been a big increase, especially the past 10 years, you know, versus like even 10 years before that. And so it's such a huge influx. I think everyone's getting used to it. I also, I'm telling you, even the podcast space, Obviously, we know it in Hollywood, podcast spaces, there's, you know, there's more and more South Asians. And I think even all of us, it's not a ton, but even all of us are starting to understand, look, let's work together on this because there's enough spaces for all our voices. Like, why do we keep thinking it's if you win, I lose. And I think that's the, the mentality that we all have to change. So I love how you said that. What is your favorite beauty brand besides yours? And it doesn't have to be holistic. <laughs> I'm just curious. I honestly, and I'm being totally upfront here, I never really resonated that deeply with a beauty brand. And it's not just because I 
oh, it wasn't Indian. It's just because I felt like the narrative around beauty never really fit my personality. I'm not fully a, a, a tomboy, but I do have quite strong masculine traits. I'm very efficient with my beauty and self-care routine, but at the same time, I, I do slow down and take it very seriously and nice smells makes me feel good. And I feel like beauty is always talked to a very extreme side of the spectrum of women who are like wearing all pink and super girly. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Like love that for them, but it was just so not me that truly beauty until Avrani opened my eyes to it. Beauty was always a very convenience play of like, what's the easiest, most value per ounce shampoo? I'll buy it. The brand isn't going to talk to me, so I'm not going to even try kind of thing. I love it. I'm so exactly, I'm exactly the same. I would say the past, since my mid thirties, I've definitely been like trying a little bit harder and more in this net as I'm getting older, but definitely same for me growing up. I'm like, this is just too much work. I just need to get out and do the basics. It was, it didn't speak to me either. I grew up in Texas. And so kind of the same experience I know uh, that you had that you've talked about. So for the audience, obviously we love, you love all your products. What are some must-haves really quick? For a first timer that knows nothing about Indian wellness rituals, uh, holistic beauty, any of it, what's the easiest way to start? I love that you asked in context of the easiest way, because that's really a, an underlying product philosophy for me of not making the product or the use too complicated and, and meeting someone where they are. So the first product I would suggest is the purifying oil cleanser. It is a oil that you use with sandalwood, Camilla, that you use on dry skin on a face full of makeup. And as you massage it in, it literally lifts up the makeup and collects it in the oil. and then. Once you splash your face with water, it emulsifies the product into a milky consistency, and that allows it to wash all off. Typically with oil cleansers, you need two steps because the water doesn't quite get all the oil off, but because the formula consistency adapts with the water, you get a full clean face with just one step. It's my go-to. I take it with me everywhere. No, see, this is what I need to know. Because like, <laughs> obviously you go online, there's so many amazing products. Everything looks so pretty. Everything yes. sounds fantastic. I'm like, oh my God, that would smell so good. But then am I ready to, to drop 500? I, I want to, but like, what yeah. do I start with, right? Like, how do you, how do you right, start the right. process? And so it helps, even that one little thing. And then you can understand what you liked about it, what else you would need. What's next for you guys? Any other projects you can talk about in the coming up? We are going to be launching our hair care in the spring uh, through a retailer. So I'm not going to reveal which one yet, but we're working towards locking all that down. So I'm, I'm just super excited to have a platform for s such a wider audience. That's amazing. And, and really quick, actually, I had a question. I know you met your co-founder in business school. You do more the creative side, correct? Yes. Is he still working with you guys? And, and if so, what's, what's his role? Yeah. So Justin and I have been working together from the very beginning. The way I like to characterize our roles is I do everything the customer sees and he does everything the customer doesn't see. So I do the products, of course, the creative, the packaging, the brand, the social, the website, all of that. He runs in my opinion, the boring stuff. So <laughs> I, was say, the, I was about to the, say, is it, is it the boring stuff? Can I say that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's okay. the legal, the accounting, a lot of the recruiting, actually, 
but he makes sure that we stay on budget and on track as we invest in all these new initiatives. And he's truly, you know, the reason I stay sane day to day. Oh, it, sound, it does sound like a perfect partnership. I would definitely be doing more of what you would you would be doing. I'm actually a retired lawyer. So even thinking about the legal stuff, I'm like, oh my God, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So congrats. I want to talk a little bit about growing up. Obviously, a child of Indian immigrants. I know you were raised in the Midwest and you had a somewhat volatile relationship with beauty, cultural roots, as did I, as did many of us. You mentioned in an article that... I love this because the reason why I even brought this up is because it's exactly what happened to me. You mentioned in an article that you stopped eating with your hands once you discovered your turmeric colored fingers were disgusting. I remember having that moment. I just wish all of us could have talked to each other in fourth grade. Fifth I know, grade. right? <laughs> I was like, I if know. we had like social media back then, I'm we like, had a Slack I, channel, <laughs> something, some kind of support system. Do you kind of view this moment? I have a few moments myself. Do you view this moment as potentially a the moment where you're like, "Wow, I'm embarrassed to be Indian?" Yes. Okay. Yes, a hundred percent. And that happened after things like, for example, I wasn't allowed to shave my legs for whatever reason until I was like, I just started doing it myself when I was sixteen again. But I remember when I was like eight, all my friends at school were shaving their legs. And when we would change for gym, I remember feeling so embarrassed because I have this thick black hair and they would shave their like thin blonde. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, hair. are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like what? Why? Uh, yeah. But even, even then though, I was not as ashamed and embarrassed to be Indian as I was with discovering that the turmeric was staining my fingernails. I don't know why. I think it was also because it was so out there and part of our cultural behavior versus our physical identity. So the first thing that went through my mind was, oh, that's so disgusting that we eat with our hands. Makes that's us dirty. Savagery. Makes us look- yes. Right. Yes. Right. And I felt dirty. And like we see in like all the movies and stuff like proper English cutlery and all of that stuff that we glamorize as better than us when really it's just different. And yeah, I think it was like after, after I discovered the fingernails too, I remember like we would sit together and eat dinner together every single night. And looking back, that was such a special part of the culture that I like totally took for granted. But after that, I started eating with a fork and I remember my parents didn't say anything I never said anything. It was just one of those like silent internalized lessons that, you know, you just know your parents aren't going to understand. It's not worth it. And they probably felt the same. So they never asked. But I remember even looking at them eating with their hands made me feel like ashamed. It was it was so, so much deeper than even the embarrassing hair all over my body. (laughs) Girl, I had like technique down where like no one I would parts were covered and I would take off my shirt in certain ways and I think I wore like two layers of I don't even know I had a whole thing down because like you for whatever reason I wasn't shaving till like I don't know eight I I'm like 25. I'm like, why am I waiting so long? What the? What oh, the my hell parents wrong? didn't let me. My my dad. No, was same. Very strict. Same. Yeah. No, same. Yeah. My mom's like, it's not good for you. I'm like, mom, I can't see my skin on my legs. This is the problem. <laughs> I know you don't want me to talk to any boys, and it's working very well. But this is not going to help me in the future. So yeah, I have. I don't know if you have kids. I have two daughters now. And as soon as the second one was born, I just told my husband because he's Indian American as well, and 
both of us have, you know, quite a bit of hair. And I was like, um, homie, we're going to have to set aside a fund for laser hair removal. <laughs> for, I don't even care about the college shit. Like, they may not even get to college by the time they grow up. But the laser hair removal is going to happen. But part of me also thinks, Rushi, I'm like, did that help us, like, build character? Should I let them? Oh, totally. Like, totally. I mean, every negative experience builds character, but it doesn't make it any like make us that more willing to put, to go through it, you know? But I do believe that it was extremely character defining. Like now I look back on my whole life and I'm like, wow, I was meant to come into this lifetime specifically as an Indian woman living in the U.S., specifically someone who did not see herself around others who look like her specifically so that I would be inspired to do what I do today. I've, I've reframed all of that, but zero through... 15 was torturous. <laughs> Do you eat with your hands now? Now for Indian occasions, I will. So like at you. my own wedding, yeah. I did. When when people are doing it, I absolutely will. After I got married, we moved to India for three years for my husband's job as expats. And we lived in South India for the half of it. I became a pro. I was like licking shit from my... <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to go. I'm going to embrace this stuff because... As you know, as you get older, you're like, wow, why? Like, of course, I understand why we were embarrassed, but God, the appreciation now for like everything our culture offers us, you know, it's amazing. Totally. I also love asking that you and I are a lot alike in terms of tomboy-ish, whatever the word is. I sucked at school. I hated like science. I think you were probably good at math. You went to finance. So, you know, (laughs) you got me there. I I have nightmares still about my ninth grade geometry, geometry teacher. I was... So bad at math. I was like, am I Indian? Am I adopted? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? What am I doing with my life? I didn't know what I was doing with my life till like I turned 40. But anyways, so I wondered in terms of growing up and dating, were you allowed to date? Did you even understand? Because I've had a crush since I was like five. I've loved same, my first. Same. My, okay. Same. Oh, so yeah, we're cousins for sure. And I, like, I would write like love letters that I wouldn't send to anyone, but just for the sake of like expressing my feelings to a boy when I was like, seven or eight. So that's how I know it wasn't, oh, she's boy crazy or whatever. I was just, I'm such a romantic, sensitive person in, inside. I think I'm just boy crazy. And maybe like, <laughs> I think it's both. Yeah, no, I had a diary and I still have it. And yeah. my, my mom, yeah, this is my, mom, this is my mom's house. Yeah, I have a diary from like third grade to like sixth, where it was wow. like boy craziness and then a lot of cursing. And I'm like, okay, I went through oh, some so shit. so much cursing. <laughs> so much cursing. I was like, do I need therapy? Do I still need therapy? <laughs> like, what's happening here? So dating and growing up, how, how did that work for you? Were you able to date? Parents strict? Yes. So my parents were extremely strict. I'm okay. the oldest daughter. And so that didn't oh, help. that's a whole new role. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So absolutely not allowed to date. But that being said, my personality was always very rebellious and very much like, I'm going to do what I want and figure it out later kind of thing. I was going to say, Rishi, like looking at your face, you don't look rebellious at all. You have like, <laughs> you're, you're the perfect face for it because no one would think that. Anyways, continue. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I really was. So I dated, I had my first boyfriend in 10th grade. Wow. Yeah, I was 14. Had you shaved by then? Yes, actually. In secret, in secret. Yeah. (laughs) I would bring it to the gym at the school with my stuff because I couldn't have a razor at home. My dad would throw it out. That's amazing. It's amazing that your dad was so intense about it. 
he hated anything that matured me. So like, I literally wasn't allowed to watch Friends. It'd say TV 14. I wasn't 14 yet. He's like, you're not allowed. Wow. Like I, everything was so buttoned up. And then meanwhile, I would just like, in fourth grade, we got uh, AOL for the first time. So like all the houses <laughs> at internet, I would be up all night, just like exploring, going into random chat rooms, talking to different people. Wow. Yeah. And my dad is like, just thinking he's preserving. I say, this. uncle, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. <laughs> okay. He knows now. No, he knows, he, he's he aware. He's yes. aware. Yeah. yeah. Good. But yeah, I, I was dating boys since around 14. And then wow. pretty much since then, I... I honestly had not probably been single for over a year since then. Man, I was hoping you were as uncool as me because I didn't have any, I didn't get a boyfriend until 20. I don't think that's characterized as cool. Like this person would usually be like one of my only friends. I don't have a lot of friends. (laughs) I mean, it kind of cuts out the drama though. You got to, I got to say. I didn't even get to ask the prom. I had to get set up. Oh, I didn't either. You didn't either? So I I didn't even go. I didn't go to my prom. I was going to ask you your prom story because my prom story, I got set up with a friend's friend, an older guy who, you know, I was 17. He was 20, which is a big deal back then. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. And I don't even think he went to college. I think he was just hanging out. He picked me up from my house. My (laughs) ba, my, my grandmother from Gujarat was there. Ponytail, white guy. Pretty sure she almost had a heart attack that day. And I remember him taking me to, to meet our other friends. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm also married. And I was like, huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Jigga, what? I was like, wait, so I can't even get a date, a setup date with a single guy? Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> um, that might be worse than not going. I didn't but, think there could be anything uh, worse. <laughs> well, you know, we can get into the details whenever we meet. But he was married to my friend's aunt who needed a green card. So anyways. Wow. Yeah, that, that was the my... The life we live. Yes, I know, I know. You know what? Speaking of building character, my like every single time, I was like, I'm building character. It's building character. It's fine. You have to see it that way. You have to. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Yeah, my girls are still getting the laser hair removal done. We're going we're gonna to take care of that. We're going to go into a quick, fast round. So first thing that comes to your mind, what personality traits are you the most proud of? My creativity, my confidence, and my honesty. Which physical trait are you most proud of? I love my skin tone. I Your skin is so the ball. Now. I was about to say, I was like, I feel like I can, li- I can like lick it from the screen. It's very oh smooth. Oh my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> I think Thank you're you. probably using really good products if I had to guess. I, must I don't, be. I I must don't know. Be. Just a guess. Just a guess. <laughs> Describe yourself in one word. Bold. What is your biggest pet peeve? When people don't follow through on what they say they're going to do. That's a CEO right there. <laughs> <laughs> But you'd be surprised that like an inordinate number of people just straight up commit to things that they have no intention of doing. And it drives me crazy. That sounds very India to me. In the three years I was there, yes. <laughs> and I'm sure you've been hundreds of times. It's like the, the nod. That is You're like, India. Wait a minute. Is that a yes did or no? Did we have no? this conversation? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, did this resonate? Are we there? Yeah. If you have a story, if you don't, we can move on. Tell me about an interesting experience or encounter you've had recently. Experience or encounter. So I went to see a hypnotist in the last in the last couple months. Okay. Because I've been getting really, really into that kind of spirituality across 
past lives and concurrent lives. And so if you know anything about this or you want to know anything about this, there's this really great book called Many Lives, Many Masters by a real doctor, like a real psychotherapist, where he chronicles hypnotizing this one particular patient and she's able to access various lifetimes and resolve a lot of her generational trauma that she wasn't conscious to until she was hypnotized. I, by the way, love, 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 love all of this stuff. I go to, yes, I go to, I do my Vedic reading, astrology reading every year. Oh, amazing. Okay, Okay, same. Continue. (laughs) So I love this stuff. Anything that helps me feel any semblance of like closer to my purpose on this earth. (laughs) And so I went to a hypnotist and it was a very interesting experience. I would say that she allowed me to tap into my subconscious while I was still awake, which was really interesting. And when she asked me a few questions, I was pretty shocked by my own answers to them. So I thought that that was like an interesting kind of portal for self-discovery of like kind of getting to things that maybe you yourself haven't come to terms with yet to access what in that a, is. In a way, another form of therapy. Does it work? Does it do you go back and you get deeper and deeper? Is that what happens? You can take it anyway. So I, I just wanted to do like a discovery one. But there are people who have gone to hypnotists for like a six week or a 12 week range if they have like a purpose of let's say they want to quit smoking. There's like a way you can therapeutically do that over a, a period of time. One session isn't going to solve that probably. Right. But I pursued it more of just like a discovery thing. I didn't have something specific that I lasered in on right now that is in my subconscious, at least I don't think. So I was just, I more went into it as like an exploratory. I would so do that. Yeah. let Send me that info. I would love. Okay, okay, I, I know I some of my friends have done it. I'm, I'm based in Dallas now. We just moved back here last year. I was in Connecticut for the past couple of years, but some of my friends here have done it with hypnotists. And did they have good experiences? One did, one didn't. I have no idea why that result came that way. Who knows? But I am definitely, I'm always interested in exploring. Always. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think there has to be different ways to tap in. Otherwise, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, I would love to learn more. That could be like a whole other episode. (laughs) How do you want to be remembered by the people around you? I want people to feel inspired by me whether they agree with like what I'm the business I'm building or anything like that. I want people to remember that the type of person I am in context of charting my own path and, and following my own vision. And this last one, I always tell my guest besides family and friends, of course, if it all goes awry, everything goes to shit. What are your bare bones for happiness? Wow. (laughs) What a question. (laughs) Uh, You'd be really surprised on the answers. I've had some fantastic answers. I was like, oh, wait, that's my answer. Oh, wait, that's a really good one. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, no, these are. this is really making me think. I think freedom is still probably the biggest driver of my, like, unlock. And so yeah. I definitely need that to be happy. And I don't know if this is, like, to the other way, but, like, literally a journal or a portal of writing like writing is the way that I know who I am. That's amazing. So, do you journal I, every day? I do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A lot of my, well, all my guests are very successful, but a lot of you guys journal. That's a very common theme and 
you're probably like at least the 10th or 12th guest that have said journal. Really? Yeah. Okay. You basically okay. they would say like was... they would say beach and journal or you know something like that. But no, okay. it's a very common one. Which I was like, huh, this journaling thing, writing stuff down, is a lot more important. It's it's, it's yes, a stronger. It seems it seems of, simple. Yeah. But it truly it's transformative, especially if you do it every day, and then you can look back on yourself and literally analyze yourself yeah. and choose to make different choices. It's, it's insane. I swear to do. God, my journaling from third to, third to sixth grade, I was like, <laughs> holy shit, I got some problems. <laughs> third grade, I was in love and sixth grade, I hated every, all the, all the girls. It was like, I was like, what, what's, ha- what's happening here? So, you know, many of us are drawn naturally to writing as children because that it's a, it's a part of how we're supposed to Right. Yeah, communicate. Live. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, my my six year old is in first grade now, and she has some anxiety starting school this year. And so I told her, I was like, "Here's your." I got her a nice journal. I was like, "Why don't you write down how you're feeling every day, and then me and you can talk." And that's been it's been three weeks, and she's already like, "Oh, that's beautiful." Yeah, I feel so much. She feels so much better just by writing. So it's very powerful. And that's it, my friend. I I will not take up any more of your time. This was fantastic. It was so lovely meeting you. Tuckered Out is hosted by me, Ami Tucker. This episode is produced by Jeannie Media with Jeannie Saraswathi, Ashley Tuff, Micah Sweetman, Hans Andres, and Laura Radescu. You can follow me at Tuckered Out Podcast on Instagram, And please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts.